Well, my name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here and one of the teaching pastors here, and, and, and I'm excited about today. And we've been in this book of Galatians, walking through each of the chapters of Galatians. Today we're in chapter 5. If you want to get your U version, your Bibles out, it'll also be on the screen. You can follow along there. But we've been talking about how Paul is actually furious with the churches that he had already planted in Galatia, in modern-day Turkey. He'd gone in and planted these churches, told them about the freedom there is in Jesus, that this resurrected Jesus can set you free. And he goes on to plant other churches in other areas, and he gets word that these churches that he had planted there, that somebody had come in after him. These religious Jews had come in and said, there's something more than just the cross of Christ. That there's something else that you have to be added on to, circumcision and all these rules and regulations, and Paul is angry. And it comes out in, the, in this letter. And so I, I just love the tagline for our series here about choosing freedom. Because I think so often we are held captive by a lot of things. We are held captive, you know, with just the thoughts that are in our mind. We're held captive with some addictions that we have. We're held captive by unforgiveness. We've been held captive by, by a lot of things that just kind of keep coming at us, and, and we get trapped in these. We get trapped in our circumstances, and, and our, the circumstances that are around us, we, we feel that they're so heavy that there's, there's no way that we can get out from under them. And here we are just in, in, in a situation that, that we cannot see our way out. But yet, for most of us, and I would say many of us in these situations, that we can actually choose freedom, that we can actually choose to get out of some of those situations that we are in. I'm in a devotional group with a, a bunch of guys that I used to work with, and, and uh, we follow a Max Lucado uh, statement this week, and, and he said something I thought was profound this week, and here's what Max said. He said, yes, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. But the prison of anxiety, that's optional. The prison of anything, the presence of anything we're going through, whether it be hurt or unforgiveness, it's unavoidable. We're all going to get those kind of things in our lives. The circumstances, they're, they're going to be unavoidable. What we, we, but the prison of those things, the things that hold us back continually, that is optional. We can choose freedom. There's a story in John chapter 5 where, where Jesus is walking along and he sees a man uh, by, by the pool. He's been crippled for 38 years. And, and he says, do you want to get well? Jordan actually talked about this a, a few a series ago. He said, do you want to get well? And we think that is a strange question, isn't it? Of course he wants to get well. He's 38 years. He's been, been, been begging and doing all these things. And Jesus says, do you want? Of course he wants to get well. But I wonder if that's the same question Jesus would ask us in many, in, in many circumstances. Do we actually want to get well? Which means, are you willing to take, do whatever it takes to get well? Are you willing to do your part? If Jesus does his part, are you willing to do your part? Are you willing to change your lifestyle? Are you willing to surrender everything to him? Are you willing to run towards and be consumed about anything that Jesus is, is passionate about? Is that who we become? See, it is so easy for us to fall back into our old patterns, into our old habits, and it kind of draws us back in here. Are we willing to run towards and be consumed by the things that will make us well? And that can only be the person of Jesus. Do you, do we want to be well? Do you, do we want to be free? And that's exactly where Paul starts in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. <clears throat> so Christ has truly set us free. 
Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Paul is saying that, man, you are free in Christ. Don't let something else bring you back. Don't let those bad habits, those old things come back in and pull you back into the old way of living. You're a free person now. It is so easy for us to just go back and choose what's as comfortable, what we're used to. And Paul says, don't let this whole religion thing do that to you. Then he goes on. He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. He wants to make sure we get this. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. What Paul is saying here is if you are doing anything that tries to make you good enough to be accepted by God, then you are cut off from Christ. And so often we get into our mindset, if I just help enough, if I just serve enough, if I'm just good enough, if I give enough, if I read enough scripture, if I pray enough, if I go get baptized here in a couple weeks, if I take communion like we're going to in, in a little bit, if I do all these things, if I just do enough, if I come to church enough, and then I'm going to be okay, God's going to be happy with me. What is your list? Because we all have them. We all have these lists that if I just do this, this, and this, and this, then God is going to be pleased. God is going to be happy with me. And we have to go back to what Paul says. For you are, if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And so what we need to do is step back and check our motivation. Am I doing these things to try to appease God? Or am I doing these things out of an overflow of thankfulness, out of gratefulness for what Jesus has done for us on the cross? Is it a result of those things that my heart is changed, that there's this transformation in my life, that all, that is why I want to do those things? Am I so overwhelmed by the love of what God has for me that my life changed? Or am I doing this out of obligation? And I hope you see the difference in that because that's what Paul has been talking about in everything he's been writing so far. He goes on in verse five. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. We do not understand the shock of this statement. This audience that he would have been writing to, these Jewish people who grew up in all kinds of religion, would have looked at this and they would have been, un, they, they couldn't believe what Paul was writing here. They would have been in absolute awe and shock that he could even say something like this. Circumcision was so sacred to them. Their laws and regulations were so sacred to them, they just couldn't let go, and they kept creeping it back into this whole Jesus movement. And Paul is warning us we can't let that happen. So I want to ask you a question. What is the most sacred thing that you do when it comes to worshiping? What is it that is sacred to you that, that has to be a part of how you are raised? And, and, and for all of us, it's different. It's how we're raised in church. If you've been in, in the church you know, for a long time, there's these things that keep coming back in. And I want you to understand, whatever that thing is, whatever you answered was sacred to you, there's no benefit in it. 
is what Paul is saying. And this is going to get really touchy. You know, reading the scriptures, reading the Bible, man, there's no benefit in it. Getting down on your knees and praying, there is no benefit in it. Baptism, there is no benefit in it. Giving, there's no benefit in it. Communion, there's no benefit in it. That's hard to hear, isn't it? That's the kind of shock that Paul was giving when he talked about circumcision. He's saying there's nothing else but the cross of Christ. And then he goes on and says this. I'm just going to leave that hanging there because there's a lot of tension right now in the room. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And here we go again. They're going to start talking about love. (laughs) For the last how many series and how many months, all they've talked about is love, 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 love. And that is true. You see, we've got to understand that our faith expresses itself. It's a natural outpouring. It spews out of us in love. And everything that, that we do, we just can't stop it. You know why we read scriptures? You know why we read the Bible? how important it actually is is so that we can get to know what God has in store for us, that we get to see the heart of who God is, what he's done over the, over the past generations, and what he's going to continue to do, the promises that are there. That's why we read scripture. We pray, we get down on our knees in our homes and, and with, with other people, and we pray and we lift other people up so that, that we have this intimate relationship that we can communicate with the one and only Heavenly Father who loves us so much. We get baptized so that we can tell the world, we can tell everybody around us that I am pointing my life toward Jesus and I'm not turning back. I want to make it publicly known that I am following Jesus, that I am a follower of Christ. We take communion so that, that, that we, we, we just have this intimate moment and remembering and stopping and pausing and understanding why Jesus died for us. This person did something unimaginable while we were still yet sinners. See, there is no benefit in any of those things to make you right with God. But there is all the benefit in the world as an expression of our love towards this heavenly father who died for us, who came to rescue us. Do you see the difference of what Paul is saying? It's not to make us right. None of these things are to make us right, but they're a natural outpouring of a changed heart, of us wanting to do whatever we can because we cannot believe and fathom what God did for us. It makes all the difference in the world. But yet there's something happening in these churches that the old stuff is coming back in. Verse 7, Paul goes on and says, You are running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Do you remember the very first time that you ever trusted Jesus? For many of you, it's a long, long time ago, you know. And and, and you probably had all kinds of questions. You didn't have them all answered. You didn't understand theology or any of those kind of things. All you heard was that you could be free, that this God loved you no matter what you've ever done, no matter what you ever will do, that he sent Jesus to die in your place And you didn't understand it all, but you said, there's something that just drew me. There was something in my heart that exploded, and I needed part of this. I wanted that kind of freedom. And maybe you repeated a prayer after someone, a simple prayer. Or maybe you walked down an aisle and prayed. 
or whatever it was, there was just something that drew you there. It was so beautiful and so simple, and, and there it was. And then you started going to church, or you started hanging around a lot of your other Christian friends, and all of a sudden it got kind of confusing. That all these other things started popping in. Well, what about this and what about that? And, and all of a sudden it became complicated. And following Jesus became a chore or maybe it became a burden. This should be the most exciting, exhilarating life that you can possibly live, this following Jesus. See, we have the freedom to be who God designed us and called us to be. It ought to be a life that is just an, an experience. Does that mean everything's going to go right? No, it just means that we have this core, this foundation that we can come back to. And then Paul goes kind of on this little rant here for the next few verses. Verse 9, he says, This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. See, they're coming after Paul because of, of what he's teaching is that there's it's none of this other stuff. It's only the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. And Paul keeps pointing us back there. Paul's saying there is only one thing. None of this other stuff is beneficial. The only way to be saved is through the cross of Jesus. And then he really gets, he says, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. And we're starting to see how, how Paul really feels, you know? Then he says this in verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And we're thinking, yes, man, this is awesome. We get to trust Jesus, and man, we are free. We get to, to go on. It is, it is so awesome. But Paul knows exactly what our nature would be, what human nature would do. And he follows that amazing, victorious freedom verse with this. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Hence, our title, our subtitle, Choosing Freedom. How are you going to choose to use your freedom? I love this. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. There are over 100 times in the New Testament that we get this phrase, one another. 59 of them are direct commands that we are to do something with one another. Let me just give you a few of them. We are to be devoted to one another. We are to honor one another above ourselves. We are to live in harmony with one another. We are to build up one another. We are to accept one another. We are supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Submit to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Can you imagine if we got good at one anothering each other? If we actually lived this way with one another, we would change the world. People on the outside who doesn't, don't understand this whole God thing that are saying, you know, these guys are a little bit, if we did this, they would be drawn to us. They would be drawn to the church. And then Paul goes on again in, in the first 
first century audience, they, they couldn't believe he said this. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. The whole law, everything. Everything that we're required to do, all 600 and some laws that the Jewish people were trying to keep, the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there it is again. Do they ever teach anything other than love? We're just teaching the Bible. And we can't escape it. It is the foundation of everything we are as a follower of Jesus. Is love. And loving one another. It is foundational to this new covenant that Jesus ushered in. It is foundation to anything that we are to do and follow as we're following this Jesus. If we are truly following Jesus, it's all going to be about love. And if we don't start with a foundation of love, no matter what we say, no matter what we do, people are going to run the other way, as we're witnessing right now. The foundation of everything, of every belief, of everything we do is love. And, even, and this whole thing, love your neighbor as yourself, and, and they even tried to catch Jesus' whole thing by saying, you know, well, who is my neighbor? Because certainly, it can't be everybody. You know, there's got to be somebody out here, you know, and Jesus just let them know that everybody is your neighbor. Everybody is there. No matter who you run into, it's your neighbor. Because what this guy was doing when he's trying to trap Jesus, is, he wanted to say, well, there's this one group out here I, I want to exclude. There's these people over here. They have a different kind of lifestyle. They have a different way of doing things. And, and surely you don't mean loving those. And Jesus said, no, they're all your neighbor. What Jesus is saying is that you will never, ever, ever be face-to-face -face with somebody that God doesn't love. You will never, ever, ever be faced with somebody, no matter what their lifestyle, no matter how they vote, no matter how they think, no matter how they believe. You will never, ever be face to face with somebody that Jesus did not die for. And therefore, we have to love them. And now I think Paul writes something that <clears throat> is so relevant to us today. He says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Be, be careful. Beware of destroying one another. And this is, I tell you, this breaks my heart today. I read blogs and articles every day. And as I'm scamming, skimming them, I go down and I, I, I read the comments that's going from Christian to Christian and the things that we are saying to each other. It's unbelievable. It, it, we're living in a culture in the church that is anything but this. And Paul warns us about it. Don't devour, don't destroy each other. And, and, and you read through these comments and these posts and these things and, and about these articles and, and people would say, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm, just protecting, I'm just protecting my faith. I'm just protecting Jesus. Folks, Jesus doesn't need protected. He can protect himself. He needs us to follow him and love others. So how in the world do we live like this? And I'm glad you asked because Paul actually answers it next. Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And we've been talking a lot about the Spirit. We're going to talk a lot about it here coming up. And we're going to do a whole series right before our Christmas series, hashtag ad, about the Holy Spirit. So just hang on. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Did you hear what that says? That we have these two natures that are constantly at each other, they're constantly fighting each other for control of our mind, for the control of our heart. There's a sinful nature and there's this Holy Spirit saying, which way are you going to choose? It's, it's the old commercials, you know, where there's a little red devil guy on your shoulder, a little angel over here, to, you know, whispering in your ears and you've got to decide which one it is. That's exactly what the scripture is talking about. That it should make us feel better that there's this constant battle going on. Paul dealt with it. Peter dealt with it. Everyone deals with it. There's this battle, this tug of, of are we going to do what's sinful or are we going to do what God wants us to do, what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do? We're constantly under attack from the enemy. Paul says, let me just read you this in, in Ephesians 6, 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I want us to remember that. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. See, we think it's some political party. We think it's some group of of people. We think it's somebody that has a different lifestyle than us, that thinks differently than us. We think we're fighting against them. We are not. We are in a battle that we can't even see. We are fighting, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a war that is going on. And I think so often we are looking in the wrong places to fight this war. We need to be fighting it on our knees and through scripture, through meeting together, through following this Jesus and loving others. Verse 19, Paul kind of starts talking about these two different forces in our lives. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we had a lot of discussion even in the office over this last verse, this last part of that verse right there. And, and, and we have used that verse, I think, so often as a club and saying, well, you know, here it is. You know, this shows you. And we paint with this big, broad brush that if you're living in this kind of lifestyle, this kind of lifestyle, this kind of lifestyle, then you're not going to heaven. And I get that. But I'm not sure that's exactly what this verse is trying to tell us. Because remember the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to usher in the kingdom of God right here. We are to usher in the kingdom of heaven as we live. We are supposed to be proponents of that. We are supposed to usher in that godliness into our society, into our culture, into our families, into our communities, into our workplaces. That's what it is all about, ushering in the kingdom of God. And yes, those other things have no place in the kingdom of God. But if we're living in those kind of areas, if people are living in, 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 in with those kind of things that are going on in their lives, they're not going to have the peace that... that surpasses understanding they're not going to have those kind of things they're not going to understand what God is doing in them and then Paul flips it to the other side but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives love joy 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Which list would you rather be living out in your lives? Which list are you choosing to live out in your life? And, and just think about the laws that we actually have. You know, we have these laws that, that kind of try to keep our society intact. And, and they're all made, they're, I think all these laws are made so that there is patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. But let's just face it, those laws, they, they want to, to do this, these attributes, but they just can't. I mean, how do you have patience when you're driving through a roundabout these days? I mean, seriously. It's hard, isn't it? These laws don't create this. Only the Holy Spirit, only following Jesus and loving does that. Do we do this all the time? No, we fall back to the other list. There's times in our lives that we have the other list come through with our anger and our patience, and our, you name it. But we don't live there. And I think that's what Paul is trying to tell us. Look at your life from last year to this year, from last month to this month. Are you exhibiting more love, joy, peace, self-control? Is your life looking more like the fruit of the Spirit? Are you gaining? Are you looking more and more like Jesus as you go along? We're not going to flip a switch and all of a sudden everything is perfect, obviously. But are we getting more and more of these things? Are we able to handle situations where we would have reacted in an anger way, in in unforgiveness, where all of a sudden now it's changing? And we start noticing these little differences. That's living by the Spirit. And then Paul goes on and says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Our passions and desires... And I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I just want to recap it really quick. We have passions and desires before we come to Christ. These sinful passions and desires, our natural desire is to do things that are opposing God. But when we give our lives to Christ, all of a sudden now God gives us these passions and desires that are living by the Spirit. And again, those are the things that are all fighting each other. Our passions and desires, these fleshly, worldly desires are vastly different. And we have to understand that this isn't about us any more. And he goes on. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. We can choose freedom. It's our decision to do that. Maybe there's someone here today that, that, that you, you're, you're hearing this and And all of a sudden you realize that maybe, maybe it isn't about all that ritual stuff, all that religion stuff, that maybe this whole Jesus thing is just that easy. And it is that simple. And you can say a prayer right in your seat, right where you are today, and just say, hey, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all. I don't have all the theology, but I would like to give my life to you because I would like that kind of freedom. And maybe many of you are sitting out here today and, and you've already said that prayer. But what kind of life are you choosing? What battle is winning in your mind and in your life? What passions and desires are you letting win? 
And I'm saying that is a choice. You can choose to follow Jesus with all your heart. I want to pray for us today. And I don't know where you land in here. Where you are in that whole freedom, in that whole... in what God is calling you and how to live. Would you just choose freedom today? Would you pray with me, Father? So many times, and we see these two lists and how we're supposed to live, and we understand that we are free in Christ, and it is so amazing what you did on the cross. And for those of us who have made decisions to say, yes, we're going to follow you, yes, it's so simple. But yet it's so hard because we have these desires that are battling all the time. I just pray that you fill this place with the Holy Spirit. That you would convict each and every one of us for those things and these ideas and these places that we are not giving control over you. And so, Father, I pray today that we as individuals and we as a church would choose freedom and truly follow you. So that people will look at our lives and see you and see you magnified. It's in the amazing name of Jesus we pray.